0: Welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Welcome back to Rich in Life. I'm Rich Irani, and here is part two, continuing my conversation with Scott Lips, founder of One Management and Lips LA, talent and model management, and also host of the podcast Lip Service, where he focuses on the music industry with guests such as Gene Simmons, Gavin Rosdale, David Lee Roth, Randy Jackson, Brian Adams, just to name a few. The list is endless. He's really connected. And if you missed last week's episode, we talk about the death of the supermodel, which always intrigues me. And we reminisce about the good old days of Iman, Helena Christensen, Naomi, Cindy Crawford, Kate Moss, and his new project, Digital and Virtual Models. You don't even have to bother dieting anymore. Today, we're going to talk about how he got the gig as drummer for Courtney Love and what it was like performing for the first time in front of tens of thousands of people. And I'm going to ask him about being a staple in the New York City nightlife and the future of rock and roll. Here we go. Yeah. I have to tell you a funny story, which actually I want to talk about the nightlife in New York City. But I sure. remember running into um, Tom Ford at the Bowery Bar. They used to have beige night there. I don't know if you know of it. I don't think you would. It was more of a.
1: I, 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 yeah. my Yeah. I think My, my friends had gone. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So
0: it was every Tuesday night and I used to go every Tuesday night and yeah. it really was fun. I mean, I remember, you know, saying we're not going during a snowstorm. My friends would be like, no, nobody's going. At midnight, I'd get up. I would drive my car from 20th Street down to the Bowery Bar, you know, and in the prior. snow. I had on my snow boots and 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 I'd see it was empty. You know, the Barry bar from outside, it was empty. I went in anyway, and of course, who's there? Tom Ford, um, the the cast from Sex and the City, the Uh fireplace is on, Calvin Klein, Ross Blechner, and you know, (laughs) all these boys walking around without shirts on, which I realized later, they were there to get discovered. I was so naive, Scott, back then. I had no idea. I'm thinking, wow, look at these great looking guys just walking around without (laughs) shirts. I mean, normally I'd say put on a shirt if you had even just a little (laughs) bit of fat, but I was like, they're fine. But I didn't know they were there to be discovered. Like everyone
1: yeah. had an agenda there in yeah. any case i remember sort of going, like la everyone has an agenda out here
0: oh my goodness yes <laughs> that i know when i go with brad it's crazy i mean yeah. i'll get i'll tell you another story about that later but yeah. um the funny thing is i actually went to tom ford when he was at uh, his height in uh, gucci and i said I, I love what you've done i love what you're doing i said i have to tell you i'm a huge fan and i started to walk away because i was nervous and as i'm walking away i hear him mumble that's it you're leaving <laughs> and i just got through the crowd and i left and this was before Brad. and i'm thinking why didn't i stick around to talk to him i was so intimidated and yeah. i was so scared
1: yeah yeah i mean that's but you are talking about some of the golden age of nightlife in New York too and I, I don't know if you remember the rose bar but a really close sure. friend of mine or Khan with ian schrager that was their spot and uh that that too was the golden age i mean i did a series of concerts there with Nir back in the day called the rose bar sessions we had guns and roses play there the black keys we had um The Cult, we had a a bunch of great bands, Um, Sean Lennon played there. And uh, you know, in, on a typical night, you would see Mick Jagger sitting next to Tommy Hilfiger, sitting next to Nate Moss, sitting next to Lenny Kravitz, and I don't know, like Bill Clinton, or I mean, it was just this crazy. <laughs> it was I've CBGBs on like, steroids,
0: right? It was like CBGBs on steroids.
1: I mean, it was very high end. It was 150 yeah. of of you know, you know, the, the most uh, you know, the most incredible crowd I've ever seen in New York at one place, and, and I don't know if it will ever go back to that, and. And I always talk to my buddy Nur because he's still in the business and um, he's got a spot now um, called Butterfly. But it was incredible. And back then in the day, you're right. I mean, you would go into these spots and you'd see everyone in the world. And so I guess, listen, I'm, I'm a positive person, Rich. And I think when this is all over, you know, live concert, the spots, bars, restaurants. I mean, that business is going to be booming if we can get through this, you know, if we can only get through this, you know, everyone's going to be everyone is so deprived at the moment to, to go to those kind of places that it's going to be this incredible renaissance, I hope. And so I'm trying to look at the positive side of what we're going through and, and hope that when that all happens, you will have some of that that golden age of entertainment come back.
0: I hope so, because I really do miss it. And um, those really, for me, were the good old days. And yeah. as far as it, you know, I, I know it's going to come back. I'm not worried about it not coming back. I think my concern that I have is how much damage, is it going to do? Yeah, how much well, damage is it going to do? I mean, w- yeah. I don't want to make this pandemic, I don't want to make the cure for this pandemic worse The pan- worse than the pandemic itself. Right, I have right. two kids, I don't need two depressed seven year olds who are isolated. I don't need it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and I'm yeah. sure there are a lot of people that think like me. So how bad does it have to get before it's going to get better? How much damage is it going to do? I think it's up to each individual
1: person. Okay, well, unfortunately, they're saying we're at sort of the height of it, right? Because a lot of people went away over the holidays. A lot of people came back with COVID. If you went to Tulum, if you went to- other I was places, in Miami. Yeah, everyone's spreading it around. So I don't know. You know, I, I think the damage has already been done. I think, I don't know what they say, one out of every three restaurants is closed or four or five or whatever it may be. Uh, I think one out of every four people in LA seem to have COVID or had it or had, whatever it may be. So again, like, I, I guess the country needs unity more now than ever and so hopefully we can all down together and and find a way to unite eventually so we can enjoy those things again cuz cuz God knows we need it amen scott amen so
0: uh, what made you leave new york city i mean you're you're a native new yorker <laughs>
1: yeah yeah you were right in on.
0: the you were in the like in the you were in the crowd
1: yeah. It's you funny you say that. It's funny you say that, Rich, because I feel like I always tell people I was part of the the DNA of uh, part of the sidewalks in New York. I was so ingrained in the culture there. But, you know, I, I think for what I do, especially being in the celebrity endorsement business now and the influencer business, I saw the business trending towards that. And if you think about it, where the most actors, musicians, high profile celebrities live in California, where do most influencers live in, in the space? A lot of them live in California. They don't live in New York. And so my business model was changing a bit. And you know, look, look, I mean, I started the in New York. I was there for 20 years doing it. And, and at a certain point, it's nice to reinvent yourself. And listen, I, I miss New York incredibly. Like I love I'm a New Yorker. You cannot take that out of me. Like I'll always be a New Yorker. I come back probably once every three months. In a perfect world, Rich, I'd be bi coastal. So that's what I'm trying to do eventually. Um, I was back there a lot. I mean, I just came back there. It's actually when I got COVID in September, October. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll so always. Wait, wait.
0: Here. I'm sorry to interrupt. When you got COVID, you went back to New York
1: to. I got it in New York. And, oh, you got and it in I, New York and you stayed. I, I had to stay to quarantine, right. but, but um, and I had to test negative before I flew back here. But, um, you know, look, as I said, I was so careful, but I was like doing things. Like I'd be out at a place called Butterfly at night, I would go to restaurants. And you can only be so careful if you're wearing your mask, if you're staying six feet away from people. Like, you're, I don't know. Look at people say to me, Where'd you get it? Like, I don't know. It could have been from like touching a door handle in an Uber, or it could have been from, from like, I remember sitting at a restaurant uh, in Soho, Laura Fishbar, one of my favorites. Some guy with his truck drives past me. I'm sitting at a table when you could do the out, well, you can actually still do the outdoor dining here, but we can't do it out here now. He rolls down his window in like a truck and like coughs on my table. Like, hello, like, what the fuck is that? Like, I mean, I don't know if that's where I got it, but like, you know, people are animals. It's just like, I agree. I
0: know. It's great. I know it it, it really is. It, feels like, it yeah. feels like it's apocalyptic now in New York City. It feels it does. so apocalyptic. Does. Well, I, I didn't tell... want to
1: be, I mean, the one thing I wouldn't want to be is it's terrible in LA, but at least you can get out there and go hiking. You can go to the beach if you need to. I mean, yeah. you know, we are quarantined, but you're allowed to do little things, have exercise. I mean, as long as you're not in groups, you know, I can right. take my my pup to the, to Malloy and walk around on the beach. So I didn't wanna be in New York during a pandemic, especially now, I feel like it would be super depressing. When I was there in November, October, November, the weather started turning, it was gray, it was starting to get cold and I'm like, I can't imagine sitting outside. I mean, there's a funny video of this older guy that's like sitting outside in the snow eating like Italian food and went right. viral. Like, I'm not gonna do that. Like, I don't wanna sit in a ski jacket and eat like pizza outside in 20 degree weather. So as much as I miss the outdoor dining, you know, I, I just I, I couldn't bring myself to want to do that and be around. No, I'm
0: with you on that. I have not got. I we maybe went out once or twice for outdoor dining when the weather wasn't so bad. Otherwise, I don't want to eat on the filthy streets. Between yeah. you and me, I, I don't need to eat like
1: that and spend mm-hmm. the money and
0: and do that. So, yeah, and that's what's interesting I,
1: that You know, they're putting up those little huts, those outside dining huts. But it, it's sort of like you're like emulating what's going on inside. It's sort of what's the difference eating in a enclosed hut. That's a few feet apart that's enclosed versus eating inside. I'm not sure there's a major difference. So that definitely confused me.
0: Yes, it's maddening. It's yeah. maddening that you can't even think about what they're doing because these businesses are spending so much money to get up to regulation. The minute they yeah. get up to regulation and spend the money they don't have or the save money, they change the regulation again. So right. now yeah. they have they have indoor dining outdoor, but the outdoor right. has become indoor. It's all so paradoxical. I, I don't I can't even get involved anymore because it upsets me so much. Yeah. So I yeah. just tell Brad, just hand me another, you know, <laughs> drink and let me just zone out. I don't want to think about it.
1: We've all mm-hmm. become chefs, bartenders in our own home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know how to make a
0: martini now. Great. I make a great gin martini. Right. Love I've it. I've
1: become like Julia Child over here. So I know. You're a foodie. You like to cook. You like I food. A, I'm a how, huge foodie. How do you stay thin? Uh, I work out a lot. I mean, you can still go to like outdoor gyms here. So like Equinox in the wild is in Century City. It's on a rooftop. I go there. Oh, that's great. I have a, I have a Peloton, which I swear by now. I think the stock has gone to the roof. I think Beyonce is the face of Peloton now. So I was on that Peloton thing like a couple years ago and now it's become... I mean, I'm so lucky to have this Peloton because yes. without the Peloton and, you know, my weekly uh, yoga and strength classes and things like that and obviously going to the gym, I don't know what I'd
0: do. you know how hard it was to get a Peloton during the pandemic? Well, yeah. You're so it's, lucky it's, you had it from before. Yeah, people yeah. were waiting for months. It's one of those sitting- companies,
1: God, you know, God willing, they've done incredibly well. So. Yeah. I had p- friends gain 20 pounds
0: waiting. They were eating donuts while they're waiting for their pe- Peloton. I'm <laughs> like, how about just don't eat the donuts, <laughs> do jumping jack. So the good thing is we were here um, from March. The minute kids didn't have the school anymore and they closed everything, we were um, quarantining from New Jersey. We were running down the boardwalk every day, so yeah. it was lovely. But you know, believe it or not, Equinox in New York City is opened indoors.
1: Yeah. So I, I go. I don't know how I'd feel about that because when I was there, it was open. To be honest, I don't think I went there because just, you know, running with a mask is hard enough, like running inside with a mask. And I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it outside now. It's not easy, but I just, you know, I'm still paranoid about, even though I got it and I have the antibodies, I'm still on high alert when people around me, if people come into an elevator now without a mask, I get out, I don't get in, you know, whenever I'm around people that aren't taking it seriously, I still, because there's people that get it two or three times. And so I don't want to be one of those people.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. But I would feel a little bit more like Superman if I felt I had the antibodies. Yeah. But it's a good thing. We don't live in a building in New York City. We live in a townhouse. So I didn't have to deal with that when we went back in September. But I will say this about Equinox. It's lovely. I like Pandemic Equinox. There are six people in the whole gym. As it is, it's the cleanest gym. I don't have to tell you. I mean, New York Magazine said they wanted to clone the people that work there. The minute you get off a machine, they wipe it down. But anyway, before I get on, I wipe it down. I'll say wearing the mask during the workout is the most difficult thing. But I do it because, you know, I got to keep something up. I got to keep, I got to try to keep, I have to stay in the shape. I do. I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to turn the clock back. And yeah, it's not and I working. I think
1: we all are, by the way. Not working. <laughs> well, you know, I'm doing the same.
0: So we have another thing in common. We have a person in common, my brother, Simon.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I
0: know Simon, yeah. My brother Simon loves you. Yeah,
1: that's great. My brother great.
0: Simon happens to awesome. love you. Yeah, he, he great. respects great. you. He thinks you're really talented. Great And guy. what's crazy is um, I, grew, I had to grow up with Simon playing the drums mm. by ear, the okay. bongos, then he would take it to the beach because, you know, he couldn't show off so sure. he started with the bongos there and he was like little ricky ricardo with the drum right. set when we were little right. yeah and then he taught himself how to play guitar and then piano and then wrote music and sold a few songs for i think a couple of movies like so talented um how did you meet up with simon
1: uh i just just through the fashion business i uh, feel like he might be friends with my friend greg lotus of photographer i feel like that might be how i met him um but yeah it's it's like one degree of separation out here i actually didn't know that Uh, He was so active in music, so.
0: Yeah, he's really very talented. He's a nut job.
1: Yeah. I might have to edit that
0: part but but I got to tell you something but he is eccentric but all yeah. brilliant people are eccentric yeah. and I will yeah. say the fact that he taught himself all of this I yeah. remember yeah, and yeah. I, you know what did I do I mean I was playing with dolls I think as a kid I don't remember what i was doing and not only was he playing music but in between he would go out and play you know roll a h- hockey on roller skates and right. football and basketball <laughs> I mean he did everything so yeah it was hard and we're just like a year and a few months apart so it was hard for me growing up with a brother that talented.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, mean, I feel like once you're a musician, it never really leaves your system. It's sort of like being a New Yorker. So I've been playing drums since I was eight years old and it never, ever left my system. And so even, I don't know if you want to talk about the story with uh, Courtney Love and how I joined her band.
0: I can't wait um, to, that was my next <laughs> question to you is how did but, you wind up with the band whole?
1: Well, with Courtney. Yeah, so I had a 10-year anniversary party for one management. Uh, I don't know, I guess at this point it was like, 2011. So about 10 years ago. Uh, and I, because my background is music, I moved out to LA when I was 17. I went to music school up here. I joined a band that was sort of part of the history and the lineage of the Rose Roses. It was a band called Black Cherry. Um, my band was pretty well known out here. I had my arm. I stopped playing. I started getting into music management and record labels that I worked at. And then my cousin owned uh, the agency Next Models, and I started working there uh, early on, like about 27 interning, driving people around. And before Uber, I was like a driver, weirdly enough. And so whatever, I couldn't play drums for a while. I hurt my arm. I had an injury, sort of like a tennis elbow. I had a surgery. My mother sent me to a doctor. It never really worked out. 10 years later, I could play again and had my 10-year anniversary. And I was going to, we actually went to hire uh, the singer of the band Motley Crue. I don't know if you saw the movie The Dirt that was on Netflix. Yes. But um, Vince Neil was gonna was gonna perform at my 10th anniversary of One Management because of my musical background. My best friend Robbie was gonna play guitar. I was gonna play drums. We learned all the songs and in typical like Motley Crue fashion, we flew him to New York and a day before or day or two before our party, he canceled. And so obviously we were left. It was like either Memorial Day or Labor Day. I want to say it was Labor Day. Um, it was a. Summer- I think our party was on a Tuesday. We had no musical guests at that point. And my buddy, Nur, that I mentioned before, and I, who was sort of hosting the party at the Hero Ballroom, we started going through bands that could play. So we went through Stone Temple Pilots. We talked about all these other artists. And, and you know, he said, what about Courtney Love? And I said, amazing. Um, would she do it? He's like, I don't know. I'll reach out to her. So he reached out to her. It was like Sunday or Monday. She's like, I think maybe, I don't know who this Scott guy is. I don't know what, what management is, but... But something like how much does it pay? And you know, like a fashion week, maybe, you know. And how much then, did it pay? I'm curious. How much I don't, did it I don't pay? remember. But oh, it, but it paid. Know.
0: It paid something.
1: Well, we had a sponsor that okay. we you know. Um right. and so, you know, I think at that point she put the phone down and then it was like we still didn't have a, a definitive yes. And my buddy Robbie started flying in the other band members just kind of praying that she would do it because we weren't really we had no other options. And so I said to the manager, because him and I go back uh with bands that w- our bands used to play together. Courtney's manager is a guy named JD that used to be in a band when my band was happening in the late 80s and our bands used to play together a lot. And I said, do you think that I can play with her in the band? You know, And he's like, well, I know you as a drummer, but she doesn't know who you are. You know, And I think she thinks you're like uh, Mark Jacobs or something on the drums, <laughs> You know, like a fashion guy that's not right. really <laughs> a real drummer. So I don't know the exact story. I mean, I actually put out a, a book some years ago. She wrote The Ford and I think she mentions this in The Ford, but from what I understand, she said to the band members something like, you know, I don't know if this guy can play. So I'm not going to come down to what's known as sound check during the middle of the day when we kind of rehearse for a song or two, see if it sounds good, test the levels. And if he's good, I'll come down. And if he's not, I'm probably not playing. That went down behind the scenes, although I never got really confirmation of the story. Anyway, I played with her band. Uh, We played a song and they're like, you know, you might be better than our drummer. It was this amazing like kinetic energy between us. It was great. It was this incredible punk rock energy and just really loose because obviously I didn't really spend time learning all the songs because I still didn't know if I was going to be able to play. Uh, they called her down, she walked in and she said, you know, I heard that you might be better than our drummer. And I said, I'm really grateful. I, I don't know. I think we know a lot of the same people. And it turns out she obviously is obsessed with fashion is one of the greatest memories ever. And, and we had a ton of connections. So we played, it went incredible. We played that night. And then about a month later, she asked me if I wanted to play in Brazil in front of like 40,000 people. I think it was like Kanye West and the Black Eyed Peas. Um, it was a festival out there. I never played in front of more than a thousand people. Um, I was so nervous, but I was like, if I get through this Rich, I'll be in the band. So. I barely got through it. My arm cramped up. It was like having a charley horse in my arm because I was so nervous. I wasn't breathing correctly. On top of it, was live on MTV in Brazil. There was a camera like in my crotch. And, you know, if I wasn't nervous enough, I had like cameras all over me and a camera literally in between my legs filming me when I couldn't breathe and was petrified, you know? So the whole thing was just sometimes I'll go back and rewatch it on YouTube because it was just such a crazy experience. And, and that was it. And then I ended up joining the band and... and you know, yeah, when I, like I mentioned, when I first joined the band, it was known as Hull, but you know, we've been going by her name for many years. And I got to tour with her with Lana Del Rey a couple of years ago, which was incredible. And uh, dream come true, I got to play like the Hollywood Bowl and Red Rocks, my parents got to see me play at the Hollywood Bowl with her. Uh, it was incredible. So I feel like that bucket listing is checked off, you know, and so I, I never thought I'd get to do that. And in all my years of playing music, I never thought I'd have that opportunity. So I'm really grateful that that happened because I mean, God knows when, concerts will return, it might be another year or two. We'll have to see if I do more stuff with Courtney. I guess it's it's all gonna be dependent on a a ton of stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean- I I, love what you posted
0: from last year, your reunion with her. It was somebody's birthday, you played with her, it was on your Instagram.
1: Well, yeah, we played at uh, a festival called Yola Dia last year with Megan and Leaky Lee and a bunch of artists, it was an all festival. And that was the last time we performed, but that was last August. She writes her own
0: music, I know. Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) Did you know at the time, I mean, what a great rock and roll artist she was, especially for her time, I think. Yeah, I mean,
1: as a, I was a huge fan. And when you think about like iconic female rock and roll frontmen, I mean, who are there and, and who's still making music? I mean, we go through the list, right? There's like Joan Jett, Chrissy Hines. Hi. There's, uh, you know, there, there's not a ton. There's, there, like, there's not. I don't know. I mean, I can't even name. There's Shirley Manson from Garbage. There's not a ton. So, I feel like
0: Courtney Love had a very short career. I mean, one of my favorite songs was uh, Doll Parts and I Love Violet. I know yeah. that was before you joined the band, yeah, which yeah. by the way, did you hear Miley Cyrus's rendition of yeah, Doll of Parts?
1: And Courtney Love, then she posted about it. And Miley came to see us play when we were playing at the volleyball, uh, which is incidentally, she wrote a song then called Malibu, which is a song we had, which is kind of funny all the tie ins um, Oh, yeah, you there's wrote a lot that of tie-ins.
0: You wrote No, the no, Malibu. no. Oh.
1: No, I didn't write that, but Courtney already had the song Malibu. At- Oh, but right. but I just remember us playing that song, and then a couple of years later, Miley came out with that song Mabu, too. So it's kind of funny, but
0: yeah, she—I mean, she did it good. But I mean, I don't feel the—I uh, don't feel the emotion like yeah, I do angst. with Courtney Love. Yes, yeah. I just yeah. feel it. You know, yeah. I like to feel my 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 rock stars' uh, depression, or you know, yeah. I like to feel their emotion. Sure. And uh, yeah, that was a great song, and I heard she wrote that about Kurt Cobain.
1: I don't know. That's what I, heard, that's what I, I, I never discussed the meaning of that song with her, but yeah, yeah I mean, all her song. I mean, she's uh, incredibly intelligent, and, and everything comes from a place of emotion. So, um, yeah, I never, I never talked to her about the the meaning of the lyrics behind that. But, but that incidentally, that was my favorite song to perform with her, and oh. so. I mean, a lot of times we play that and she would sort of introduce it by like, you know, for whatever reason, she might say, I don't love this song, but my drummer, Scott, loves this song. So like- I like, think it was one of her best songs. I think, I think most people love the song. So that was really, you know. It's funny, a
0: friend of mine who was, I can't mention his name because uh, he has a job now that he can't, you know, talk about, and you know, i make him flap his gums all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had an interview her for Us Magazine back in the day. Mm -hmm. And he went to the Chateau Marmont where she was living. And she did something, she locked him in the bathroom. He was there for hours through the Mm -hmm. middle of the night. She was running around trying to get, I think, drugs. I don't know, it doesn't matter. But that's how I like my rock stars. Yeah, yeah. That's how I like them. know, I mean, a true no, rock star. Yes, no offense to Miley Cyrus, who I love. I think she's so talented. Yeah. But when I see somebody cry because their political person doesn't win an election and you see them bawling on YouTube, it kind of you know turns me off a little. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Sure. I lose that kind of thing. Lana Del Rey is one of my favorites, if not my favorite, because she's an artist that I can listen to from album to album, every song. I mean, Lust for Life, Norman Rockwell, they're all great. But lately, it's been Lust for Life and Norman Rockwell has been my two that I've been listening to. Although today, when I went running, I listened to uh, I Love the View with Uh Chrissy Hine. That's the live version, which I love. I mean, I haven't listened to Chrissy Hine in years, but I tend to keep going back to this music of people that are no longer in the public eye, kind of.
1: Yeah, well, Lana's great. I mean, she's a true... Rock star of generation, and she's uber talented. And as I said, it was incredibly, you know, inspiring to tour with her. And what an amazing artist of this generation! I, she she speaks volumes to to the kids. So,
0: so when you toured with her, what did you do for her? Did you well, play the drums? We toured,
1: our bands toured together. Uh, so it was Courtney and Lana. We toured together.
0: Amazing, and I love the duet she did with Sean Lennon. I thought was yeah. great as well. Tomorrow never great. came. That was a great song. So. It was great. Which leads me to my next question. Why is there such a camaraderie between rock people that you don't see in any other industry, kind of? I I don't think so. I'd say comedians probably have it, but I noticed rock stars have a camaraderie where it's almost like there's no competition between them. Do you feel I mean, that? Did you notice that? I'm not saying necessarily today that's what it's yeah, like, but sure, when sure. I do look it back at the old bands, when you look at kind of like the Dylan, the Costello, the all the old bands yeah. that played, there was no, there was a camaraderie. Roy Orbison and all these guys, they really.
1: Yeah, I together. think artists, artists obviously relate to other artists. And there is that camaraderie because people can relate to what you're doing and what you're going through. And, you know, we all played in clubs at some point. And so hopefully, if you're more successful, bigger play, you know, there's always, you know, there's substance abuse that I, I never really got into drugs, but there's so many, you know, factors that tie people together. And uh, look, I mean, I think we'd like to think of ourselves as one big gang back in the day, and everybody would help each other. I mean, I hope that we're in a more collaborative society now because I think you have to be with everything going on. And so again, kind of back to the unity thing we spoke about. Yeah. Um, I loved when everybody was collaborating and everybody felt like one giant gang and we were in it together. I, I feel like as a country, we're certainly not united anymore. So I wish that people had that. I mean, unfortunately, there's not really a rock scene at the moment. And no. you have is these artists like Machine Gun Kelly that are doing sort of these 90s like emo throwbacks and yeah, Post Malone that's obviously a hip hop star that's bringing in elements of rock and roll. So that's how rock and roll is sort of surviving at the moment. It's not surviving from younger bands like Red Of on fleet and things like that that are trying to do straight up rock because people's appetites are, you know, they moved on and and, you know, I guess it's country, it's pop, it's hip hop. You know, it's it used to be EDM but it's definitely not rock at the moment. So, you know, I mean, Radiohead was
0: great. Yeah, I miss great, the days right. when you know, Radiohead Creep was also one of my favorite Definitely. songs. Guns N' Roses, Sweet yeah. Child of Mine was great. I but mean, if I asked you,
1: Rich, who are the newer rock bands, would you no. No,
0: I could, right. I know? No, I couldn't tell you who the newer ones. What yeah. does that say? What does that say about It says me? that we've
1: moved away towards that. But like I said, I feel like the only artists that are integrating now, it's interesting for me because at least we're getting elements, right? Post Malone is collaborating with Ozzy Osbourne. He's doing stuff on stage, you know, for the award shows with Aerosmith or... He's, he did a Nirvana set recently that was from home. Like, he's at least a guy that's heavy in hip hop and pop, but right. he's a homage to rock and roll. And so, I don't care how kids get introduced to rock and roll. If it comes through Post Malone or Machine Gun Kelly, it doesn't matter. But I hope that one day it comes back because you and I are fans of it, and I know there's a lot of other fans. But I feel like unless it comes back in a bigger way now, this generation is is just not exposed to it. That. I don't know the future of rock and roll. Like, I, I want to say it's still alive and well, but is it? I don't know.
0: I love what you just said. You know, it's funny. Howard Stern said this many, many years ago. I haven't listened to him in a while, but when Madonna redid um, uh, Bye Bye Miss American Pie, what song is that? What's the name of that? Um, what's the no, title the of song?
1: the song?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bye Bye Miss American Pie. It was that yeah. song. When Madonna redid it, he actually said, I love that she did it because my kids are singing to that tune now. And it's right. bringing back the rock and roll that they would have never known if Madonna didn't come back and bring back this rock and roll song. You yeah. know, It was a long time ago. So I do love what you're saying, and I agree. I think there needs to be kind of, I don't know, artists maybe doing cover songs from from older artists. I think it's great.
1: Well, that that is one thing you talk about, Miley Cyrus. And one thing I like about her, she is covering a lot of rock songs. And again, whether it's through Miley now, or Machine Gun Kelly, or Post Malone, there are a lot of artists that pay respect to their musical roots and so I like that about her and uh, I like the fact that she's I think she's doing a a whole album now what I read of like Metallica covers which is pretty off center for her but like whatever it takes to get kids like introduced to rock and roll again because anything you know if we don't have people that are constantly putting it out there and talking about it it's going to die out I know I loved her rendition
0: of summertime sadness too I thought it was beautiful yeah. I think Miley she's really a talented girl and I know yeah, your friends yeah. working with her uh, yeah. Andrew Watt right yes. Andrew yeah, Watt. I listened to that podcast I thought it was great which Thanks, I want to yeah. know I want to talk about your podcast a yeah, minute. Sure. lip service I mean yeah. you really roll with some big big people I mean you had Gene Simmons Paul Stanley you had uh Courtney Love, obviously. Gavin Rosdale, Rose McGowan. Which I didn't listen yeah. to that yet, but I'm curious. Did you bring up Harvey Weinstein, or you didn't even no, go there? No, we
1: we talked about her musical career. She's she's got okay. some music she just launched.
0: You're a be- you're a better man than me. I would have spoken yeah. about her music. And I would have had to ask the question. Yeah. Um, you had great people on: David Lee Roth, Brian Adams, Randy Jackson. I mean, do you? I, okay, so I guess my question is this: You moved to LA. I always talk about putting your best foot forward the grass is not always greener mm-hmm. one size doesn't fit all hanging around all these people as successful as you are do you ever feel like maybe in la the grass is greener on the other side because it doesn't matter how talented you really are it's a matter of just getting a break
1: yeah i mean i feel like listen there's a lot of people like we mentioned with the agendas in la so obviously a lot of celebrities live out here uh i'm i'm super fortunate because i had amazing guests rich just because it's my connection from artist to artist right so i think when i bring on a david lee roth or i bring on like i think this week i have corn on my show jonathan davis i have tommy hilfer i think coming up at the end of the month so it's sort of a cross pollination of like pop culture but heavy on music i'm trying to come obviously with the musicians from musician to musician um i love the show how i built this on npr and it's a great you know it's a great sort of uh story about people's past and journey in life. And that's how I patterned my show. Uh, I just got some stats back and I've been peddling away at the show for like, like, you know, it's not easy to have a podcast. There's a million podcasts. Yes. I'm about two and a half years into this. Right. Uh, probably almost about a hundred episodes uh, knee deep in this. And the truth is I really wasn't great at it at first. And I don't know if I'm great at it now. But you I- are. But
0: thank you, I'm but not if- a rock and roll person, but I want to tell for people listening, your interviews are great. Like thank I was never such a great KISS um, fan, but yeah. listening to Paul Stanley with his son, listening to Gene Simmons, listening to some even Andrew Watt, who yeah. I didn't even know. But I mean, this guy has produced songs for, and written songs for uh, Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus. I don't know in what capacity. And Ozzy Osbourne. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and I found the interviews to be informative and interesting and funny. They were just great. So continue, I think. Yeah, you're no, so I'm
1: super blessed. I mean, I just checked like this week and it was the show is number 23 trending uh, in music on Spotify. And we've hit like a lot of top charts. So when you're doing these things, you don't sometimes you look at the numbers, you're like this show got 5,000 downloads and the show got 100,000 downloads and, and I don't know who the hell is listening and if they're tuning into everything and it can be a bit daunting when you think about a million people doing podcasts. everyone and their mother has a podcast now but I do believe if you're good at anything and you keep plugging away, and you get better and better and you really embed your craft, you eventually will get noticed in what you're doing so luckily, like I was super fortunate to get this feedback and get these numbers back this past week. And so I did a little, a nice little GIF where I've been promoting all those stats on the show and it's been great, Um, but like anything, like I'm still learning. Uh, I listen to Howard Stern, you mentioned Howard Stern, Rich. I mean, you listen to Stern from back in the day, you realize the guy is probably the best interviewer in the world. So it's not easy to do this. And when you listen to him, you realize, you know what? I can only ascertain to be as good as this guy one day. I was listening to, uh, my friend was playing me a clip yesterday about, a show he did years ago where he was talking about giveaways and they gave away like a salami on the air along with a Thompson Twins record. And he was making fun of the fact that he did this. And like half the stuff he says, like he can only get away with what he says because people trust him and they know that he goes there, but they trust him. Like I could never say 90% of the shit he says, but people, you know, people are vulnerable with him because they know that like, he's got great ratings. He's funny. You know, he definitely goes there to a place where other people won't dare go. I'm pretty I'm very PC in my show. I but, know um, you are. But, but you but live in L.A. You, know, you live in yeah, L.A. I just, now. You know, I like to keep it on the up and up and really about the music and the and the journey. But yeah, I mean, I never went there also because I feel like if I started going there with people, they would probably like tune out. I mean, I had a few things I had to edit out along the way because people you know, there's certain rock stars I interviewed that just run their mouse and I don't think they want everything out there like that. So, right. but, uh, the show is not live, but yeah, but anyway, in fact, what you're saying, thank you. Yeah. I miss the old he, Howard Stern. I have to tell you, I miss the old Howard Stern. Yeah. I miss he's the, still Howard the greatest Stern. interviewer though. I mean, he's yeah, incredible. but he's
0: so PC now he's yeah. so afraid of stepping on toes. It seems yeah. like he doesn't want to lose his, it seems to me, he doesn't want to lose his guests. So yeah. he's kind of, you know, I don't know, appealing to them, which I miss. Anyway, I love, I listened to him back in the day. He was great. I love when he would ask, go find me someone that finds OJ Simpson guilty. Right. And they'd come back and they are right. like, right. Howard, we can't find you. It was like, bring somebody back to the studio. Right. Howard, they'd come back. We can't find anyone. He goes, why don't you go try? He goes, are you crazy? Right. I'm right. not going out there. You know yeah. what I mean? He was just so funny. I mean, he was great, man. Yeah. Those were the good old days when yeah. you can actually be yeah. not PC.
1: Yeah, exactly. 100%. Well, I have to
0: tell you, this was such a pleasure talking to you. I got to tell you, you're an all around kind of guy. You're really Thank a you. guy's guy. I got to ask you one last question. Yeah, sure. What is your relationship status?
1: I'm single. So, uh, you know definitely uh i think i you know especially this pandemic rich it's definitely made me think about you know the future having a family having kids one day and i would love to i mean not easy dating in la because again you meet a lot of people with like agendas yes and, and i think the best way to meet people is through people so if you have anyone I'm eligible. OK, great. I, I, <laughs> but here's the thing that I was questioning, because
0: I don't know, I thought maybe you're like Simon because you're both drummers. You're both around the same age. And I just thought you date models. And that's all you're interested no, in. No, right? in
1: fact, I don't date models at all. My last girlfriend uh, for many, many years was a publicist. And she's still a publicist. And so I was with her for almost seven years. So um, really, I, I've never really dated models. So yeah, I mean, definitely more. But you know, again, I think the best way to meet people is through people so
0: absolutely and i know a lot of people i've had on my podcast uh matchmakers and i like to talk about it we always talk about how there's 20 women for every one man and yet when you find a 50 year old you know guy or 40 year old guy who's still single you're like why are they still single we gotta snatch him up especially Uh, i look
1: at a guy like you so multi-talented Thank you. Well if you lived in LA, you might know why I'm still single. So like, you know I can imagine.
0: I listen, I've been there a lot over the two decades. I've been with yeah. Brad for twenty years. We've been going back and forth. Brad used to model too. He was with yeah. Ford. He used okay. to be with Ford and I think he modeled with some of the people that you um, uh, that you managed. Oh, but cool. in any
1: case, great talking to you. Until you next too. time. I appreciate it, and hopefully I'll see you again soon. Thank you. Yeah, Rich. hopefully. Take care. Okay.
0: You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you like what you've heard. Click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in